All right, this is the Yay with Reg Clay. Normally, I'm in G, but uh, we did a recording yesterday, and this is sort of a special one. So, Mother's not in right now. He's on a date night with his wife, Mar, Amara. But I have a special guest with me. It is Jennifer Daly. Hello. Hey, Jen, how's it going? Pretty good, thanks. Right. And I can see you a, um, a career stage manager, and you're also a playwright as well. Um, yes, I haven't been doing too much of either one of those lately. But <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you, you did yeah. a little bit of work for the uh, the, uh, the uh, piano fight for the Twilight Zone yes. series. Yes, uh, Dreams on the Rocks Productions took over when um, uh, the Dark Room uh, closed up shop. Right, and so uh, Dreams on the Rocks, some of the people involved with that. Uh, company mm-hmm. had been involved with the dark room before, so they they picked up where uh, uh, Jim Fortiatus, who had to move out of the Bay Area, um, yeah, uh, he was the one that created Twilight Zone. It was kind of sad. I I had heard that he. Yeah. I mean, not to get into his personal stuff, but mm-hmm. he had a lot of uh, I guess personal things going on, and also gentrification. I mean, you oh, know, yeah, went yeah. just yeah, caught up were, with him. I think there were zoning issues with the the theater space on Mission and that kind of thing, and I think mm-hmm. that that sort of was the last straw. <laughs> yeah. So, but it was a wonderful yeah. community. I remember oh, all of the Twilight Zone uh, shows mm-hmm. and the Bat Movie Nights and yep. um, the, the Gong Show. show. <laughs> and, yeah, it was awesome. And uh, yeah, lots of lo- like uh, Princess Bride Live and mm-hmm. and uh, um, there was like 007 Live and that kind of stuff. So it was it was a lot of goofy mm-hmm. stuff, but it was fun. Yeah. And and you got to meet all kinds of, of interesting people and very talented people mm-hmm. who com- came together on a shoestring budget. Yeah. If there was a budget. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Right. Uh, and just have fun and and. Uh, and the audiences loved it, and so um, Piano Fight is now um, the, the the host of it at this point. I mean, Dreams on the Rocks Productions yeah. used it, but but um, that kind of stuff. There's a lot of that going on at Piano Fight, and it's a really great venue for that. Kind yeah, of yeah. Piano Fight is fantastic. We were talking about Piano Fight yesterday, and it's become like sort of the new. It may have been around for I don't know how long Piano Fight's been around, but it's sort of yeah. it has that energy, that new energy where. New pieces are coming together, like you know, musical cafe, which mm-hmm. is what I'll be doing in the fall. Yeah. That'll be at Piano Fight, and there are a bunch of other stuff going on yeah. there. Yeah, and there's three spaces because there's two theater spaces. A yeah, there's two one, black box theaters, one, and then there's the and main then there's stage. The stage in the restaurant too, right. in the restaurant and bar area. Mm-hmm. And so there'll be you know a musician playing out there while mm-hmm. there's two other shows going on, or mm-hmm. you know sometimes like. Um, the closing night of um, Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. there was a drag show going on mm-hmm. out in the in the uh, the main area. So right, right. So there's all kinds of different things going. On. Yeah, this this is just great energy. Yeah. So you've been involved with that. Uh, I know you obviously because you and I were members of EastEnders before mm-hmm. it folded. Yeah. Uh, but what other companies had you been have you been involved with? Um, well, I've, I've done a lot of one with this company, one with that company, and some of the companies are, aren't around anymore, mm-hmm. so I, I did a show with the Actors Collective, which mm-hmm. isn't around anymore, um, mm-hmm. and that was, uh, Boy Gets Girl, I think was the name of the play, mm-hmm. um, and that was probably 2001-ish, something like that, Yeah. Um, and they produced at the Phoenix, Yeah. Uh, so I worked in that space. And, and that's the old Phoenix where it was at Geary, right? No, that was that was at the new, the current space, the one on uh, oh, Mason. Mason. Yeah. Okay, because 2001, because I remember working at the Phoenix doing Water Buffalo. This is when Bob Zick mm-hmm. uh, and I were part of a group called the Bay Stage. Mm-hmm. And the Phoenix was at Geary. And okay, then it moved so maybe later it moved on. O- or maybe it wasn't yeah. technically the Phoenix yet at that point, but it was that, that, it was space. that space. I understand what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The, the Mason space, right? Um, and uh, and we were having, you know, at the time lighting mm-hmm. issues because the the circuits were overloaded. So oh we wow! <laughs> yeah, like go figure out where the circuit breaker was. <laughs> put it back on. Yeah, well, I've told some crazy stories about the old Phoenix where uh, the uh, there was a light board which is very similar to the setup that I have now. Mm-hmm. It's a manual board; it wasn't yeah. connected to a computer, mm-hmm. and the power strip or the power. Mm-hmm. Main power, uh, the line went straight through my legs, and it was oh. plugged behind me. Yeah. So it didn't happen in Q to Q. Of course, it happened during a live show. I right. kicked it over, and mm-hmm. I had no idea what the hell happened. And of yeah. course, half of the lights went out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have to tell the audience, which was a grand total of five. Oh goodness. <laughs> so I left pause for a second while yeah, we fix, fix what's this. going on. <laughs> So that's crazy, but uh, but yeah. you've been doing uh, tech and also playwriting. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever acted before? I have. I I did not enjoy it. Okay, and so that's why I don't do it. Anymore. <laughs> 
Um, every, everything but acting. Mm. I, I, will, I, I don't mind being backstage. I like being in the booth. I like being an AD. I've done some dramaturgy. I've done some, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of everything. But but I do not enjoy being on stage. I'm very much an introvert, and I do not like being the focus of attention. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, so, yeah. So I'm much happier making it so that it looks nice for everybody else. To, sure, to sure. wants to be on stage. <laughs> and so. I, I would say, by and large, you've been employed as a stage manager. Is that about right? Primarily, yes. I mean, it, it depends on who the director is because – Typically, if it's a, a director that I know well, mm-hmm. that they'll also let me, you know, make some suggestions to them, artistic kind of suggestions. Sure. And I always, what I do is I keep a little tablet of, like, if I were directing the show, this are the notes that I would give. Mm-hmm. And then I run it past the director and say, hey, do you, you know, are these notes okay or mm-hmm. whatever. And sometimes they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, please give that note. Or, oh, mm-hmm. I'll give that note. Hold on one second. Or, yeah. And sometimes they're just like, no, no, don't worry about that. And that's fine. And that's because mm-hmm. I know that normally stage managers don't necessarily do that kind of stuff. But right. But we're yeah. asking something that, you know, I think mm-hmm. it would be better if we tweak it like this, or could the emphasis be here instead of there? Well, sure. Or could we and of course, you have to earn it. it you have to, you have to yeah. earn the trust exactly. of the, uh, and, and I've noticed through, yeah. I mean, I, I was a stage manager for years, especially mm-hmm. in New York, and also when I first came here. Usually, if a director really, really likes you, they'll hold on to you for as long as they possibly oh, can yeah. for as many productions as they'll do. And I know that we had Susan Evans on. Mm-hmm. She absolutely loves you as a stage yeah. manager, and she'll yeah. hold on to you as much as she can. Yeah, definitely. And I, I wish you were producing more in the city because that's, that's my big issue is transportation and time and sure. everything. And I live in San Francisco, and I don't drive. And so yeah. it makes yeah. it really difficult to do a whole lot of rehearsals out in, in farther parts of the East Bay where I can't really get there or, sure. you know, I'm spending – 20 bucks on, you know, between Muni and, and Bart trying to get some. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So it adds up, so. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. But it is a wonderful thing to, yeah. uh, to, to once you've earned that trust, mm-hmm. to have someone, you know, sort Absolutely. of lean on you. And yeah. I know, um, because, I, I, you know, my day job, I work as a paralegal, mm-hmm. and, you know, prior to that, I was an administrative assistant. And a yeah. lot of it is sort of the same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. we've had on our show... Actors and directors and owners of, you know, we had Linda Ayers Frederick who mm-hmm. owns the Phoenix Theater. Yeah. And this is the first time that we had someone primarily in tech, mm-hmm. you know, primarily who yeah. sort of puts things together. And so it's important to have that perspective. Mm-hmm. But it is wonderful to have that safety um, blanket, you know, that person yeah. who um, who everyone can trust. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of times, like, there was uh, the production Water Buffalo where you may not believe this, but Bob Gixot got so upset he wanted to fight the director. And you, you and I both know you Bob. Literally, like physically, he wanted oh physical fighter because he was the producer wow. as well, <laughs> and he was spending a lot of money, and mm-hmm. there were a lot of decisions being made mm-hmm. that he didn't agree with. Yeah. And I, as a stage manager, had to be the buffer between the mm-hmm. two of them. Oh goodness! Yeah. Have you had to do that before? No, I mean, not, not break up a fight, but. No. but <laughs> But, I mean, like, yeah. disagreements between director and, and cast uh, and that sort of stuff. Director and cast a little bit, not too much. It's more like where the the director's going over something many, 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 many times, and the, the cast is like, okay, we need to take a break, or oh, know, sure. can, we, can we please, like, you know, move on to something else now yeah. or something. Well, you're the timekeeper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but not too much. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's one production I did. Um, it was... I don't know. I think it was technically a co-production mm-hmm. with New Conservatory, but it was an outside company from um, from LA. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not. I, I I don't get the impression that they usually do small scale things like you know compared to you know like it, um, the 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 the, uh, the famous person involved was George mm-hmm. Firth. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that name rings a bell, but he was in Blazing Saddles and he, oh, wow. he co-wrote. I bet uh, if company. I saw his face, I know him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, so he's worked with Sondheim. He's worked with all these famous people and mm-hmm. and Mel Brooks, of course. And and now so, he's doing regional so theater. He, well, he he passed away, but mm-hmm. this was right before he passed away. He'd mm-hmm. written a new uh, new play, mm-hmm. new, new musical. Mm-hmm. And had got a composer, and so the composer and George came up to the Bay Area, and mm. Mike Ward, who you know, of course, um, the late Mike Ward, late, late, late Mike Ward, um, they were they um, Mike somehow got in uh, into uh, New Conservatory, so mm-hmm. it was a co-production between whoever George Firth was working with and uh, New Conservatory, and mm-hmm. um, and so that production, the it was. Uh, um, some some tension, I'll just call it that, <laughs> between yeah. the cast members and the director, mm. and so um, so that was was the director where, Mike Ward. Oh yes, okay, yeah. he he can be volatile. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean you know God God yeah. bless his soul, but he he could be. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, before we get into other stories like mm-hmm. that, I want to just some background. Uh, you've listened to the Yay, so you know mm-hmm. what I ask. Um, how did you? How did the theater bug bite you? Tell, tell us how yeah. you. Um, so my dad has lived in the. Well, he he lives in Phoenix now, okay. in the Phoenix area. But um, my dad, prior to my parents getting married, had subscriptions to all different kinds of things. So he'd go to um, you know ACT, and he'd go to. Um, uh, Lamplighters, mm-hmm. and you'd go to the opera, and you had subscriptions to all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. And then after my parents got married, then they uh, got a subscription together along with, with one of my dad's friends. Mm-hmm. And so there were three three tickets, mm-hmm. and so the three of them would go. And then when they had me, then they'd get a babysitter, and then one mm-hmm. of the babysitters stole from us. <laughs> so then. Yeah. And it was right around the time that I was about, I want to say, six or seven years old. Mm-hmm. So that and you, you're a younger sister, right? You have an older sister? No, I'm the eldest. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm the eldest of three. And okay. so I have a younger brother and a younger sister. Got it. My sister's in the middle. Yeah. And uh, um, so they, I, I don't know if how much of it was, okay, let's let's – you know, give it a try, you know, or, or she's mature enough to go to the theater or what. But mm-hmm. they, I got to take my mom's seat mm-hmm. to go see the Mikado at Oh, Rutgers. wow. Nice. And they had front row seats. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, this was at Presentation High School, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever been in that, that theater space. I think mm-hmm. it's a, uh, it was at the time, I think, a Catholic all-girls school, mm-hmm. all-girls high school. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it had this really nice theater that was probably, I don't know, 200 seats maybe mm-hmm. or something like that mm-hmm. um, and uh, and there was no actual pit there was just space in front of the stage before the first row of seats so the yeah. orchestra was like all crammed in there with yeah. these you know hotel style chairs and mm-hmm. so the the threat was always stay s- seated and quiet and still and don't move because otherwise the violin player is going to stab you with their bow. <laughs> <laughs> That's what your father so, said. Yeah. Wow. That was the gist of it. That wasn't, mm-hmm. that wasn't exactly what he said. Okay. That was sort of the, uh, sure. the concept there. I can't imagine being, you being a, fidget, a fidgety kid. No, no not, not really. <laughs> but that definitely, the, the threat of, oh, I don't want to get stabbed mm-hmm. or, or cause them to you know miss a note or whatever right. was definitely... Uh, something to keep in mind so mm-hmm. so and it and it was a success and I very much enjoyed it and mm-hmm. so um so they started swapping me in in place of my mom sometimes she would still go to some of them and sometimes mm-hmm. my mom would take me mm-hmm. and then when my sister got up to about the same age then you know we would all kind of trade around together mm-hmm. okay and uh, so that that was my earliest um theater experiences were with lamplighters mm-hmm. um and then when I was in fifth grade mm-hmm. I was one of those kids that you know whatever flyers were sent home to school you know, yeah. from sent <coughs> from school um, for things like karate lessons or soccer teams and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, I would take it, even though I had zero interest in any of this stuff. I'm like, here, I'm supposed mm-hmm. to give this to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And one of the flyers was for free theater lessons. Mm-hmm. And so I went, here, here, mom, here, take this thing. Mm-hmm. And she looked at it and she's like, oh, are you interested in this? And I said, no. And, but my sister was of an age where it was appropriate for her to participate as well. And, and my mom asked my sister. And my sister said yes. So she signed us both up. Mm-hmm. And so that was my onstage experience <laughs> was when I was in fifth and sixth grade. Oh, okay. And, yeah. uh, and it was with San Francisco Children's Opera, which doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they probably folded up in the mid-90s. But mm. um, it was run by a very elderly couple. And it was free to participate. Mm-hmm. And it was all it was all children's theater mm-hmm. um, in terms of all the you know the stories were all children appropriate and it mm-hmm. was all like fairy tales and that kind of thing like yeah. Snow White and Seven Dwarves and that kind of, <coughs> not the Disney versions mm-hmm. but also not the Grimm's versions it was somewhere in between sure sure, sure. and uh, um, but uh, most of the cast was children and then the the main actors the you know the princesses and the kings and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. were, were adults mm-hmm. so the adults didn't really rehearse with the children until like. You know the equivalent of Tech Week. Okay. So, oh, the, so we would do a lot of you know yeah. dancing or our one little line here or line yeah. there or the group. You know everybody's like oh no or you know that kind of stuff. Right, right. Lots of rehearsing of that stuff, and then at the end hour, mm-hmm. the adults would come in to rehearse with us mm-hmm. um, in the in the rehearsal studio, which was on Tenth Avenue between Clement and Geary. Okay. Um, in the in the Gingold's house. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and then there would be one performance, mm-hmm. one and only one, at Herbst Theater. Yeah. Wow. And uh, so the first season that we were involved with it, it was a full orchestra. Mm-hmm. But, of course, that's a lot of musicians to have to pay. So subsequent years, it was 
um, one musician with a keyboard hmm. doing hmm. the whole thing. So it, it was a very different experience at that point. Yeah, yeah of <laughs> but, course. Uh, yeah. But there were five shows each season, mm-hmm. and after the first one or two, I'm like, I'm done. I'm not enjoying this at all. Mm. And I wanted to quit, and my mom said, no, we signed you on for the whole season. You're going to do the whole season. Mm. So I, I still didn't enjoy it. But mm-hmm. at any rate, so at the end of the season, she let me quit, and I was happy, and mm-hmm. that was fine. Well, Mrs. Gingle didn't like that because <laughs> apparently I was good. <laughs> okay. So she conned me into one more time. Mm-hmm. And so I did it because it was a, a larger role, and I mm-hmm. still I still didn't enjoy it. And but you're about 11 years old, right, or 10, at 11? At that time, I was in sixth grade, I think. Sixth okay. Grade. So I'm thinking yeah. 12. Yeah, give, yeah, yeah, around there. Yeah. 11, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. But being backstage was interesting because there were, you know, the Terps Theater has a fly system, and they have yeah, I was about to say. lots of nice audio equipment, mm-hmm. and there's, you know, stairs down, all the dressing rooms are underneath the stage, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's interesting things backstage. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And then the stage manager apparently, um, and my sister stuck with it, which is why we continued to be involved mm-hmm. with it, mm-hmm. but, and my sister, I think, stuck with it pretty much to the end. Yeah. Um, and uh, had a ball with it because she's kind of a ham, but that's mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> but, um, and I, I mean that in the, the most affectionate way. <laughs> Heather, she's not, you know, we made it all in good, good faith, if you're listening. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> but, uh, but the stage manager, one, mm-hmm. of, one of the, I think it was maybe the season following, but mm-hmm. at any rate, I was still in middle school at the time. Yeah. Uh, stage manager came down ill and, and couldn't be there the day of the show. So mm-hmm. Mrs. Gingold needed to step in and do the, the stage manager duties during the one and only performance. Mm-hmm. And it was a play that, that they had done earlier on in, uh, you know, like maybe the first season that we had been involved. Mm-hmm. So it was a show that I was uh, familiar with. Yeah. So she she called me up and said, you know, it's kind of an emergency. Could you please come and help give lighting cues to the lighting guy, like follow along in the script and mm-hmm. tell him when to go, why sure. he couldn't just look at the script himself. I don't know, but mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I then got to stand behind the lighting guy the entire show. And mm-hmm. I it was a lot of fun. I'm like, oh, this is this is good. I can see, you know, he's got a little camera out in the house, and he mm-hmm. can see from the front what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and That's pretty advanced for the 80s. This is the 80s, right? This this would have been 92, 93. Okay, okay. but so this advanced. is a big house. I mean, yeah. this is this is Herp's Theater. This yeah. isn't, you know, some podunk little theater. Right, right, right. So, um, so that was fun. And then, and that must have been when I was in eighth grade because then the following year when I went into high school, mm-hmm. there were all these posters up all over the school about join stage crew. And uh, I'm like, I don't know what that is, but okay, let me go see what it is. And mm-hmm. so there were tryouts for stage crew, and it was essentially, you know, helping the, the, the existing stage crew people clean out the theater. And mm-hmm. so they were watching to see how you worked as a team. You know, mm-hmm. would you follow directions or would you put up a fight or be lazy? Um, you know, are you, you know, that kind of stuff. And, sure, and, you yeah. Know, do you have some aptitude for some of this stuff? Mm-hmm. And, and it was a lot of fun. So there were only two freshmen that got um, accepted in, mm-hmm. and, I, and I was one of them, so awesome. that was good. And mm-hmm. so, so I was on stage crew all four years in high school. Mm-hmm. Were, were you paid? Because I did tech in high school as well, and it was yeah. part of a uh, what they called SYP, Summer Youth Employment Program, where we were paid. Mm-hmm. What, were you guys paid? Well, not not for the the stuff that that was um, sponsored by the school. Okay. However. Lowell High School allows other outside groups to rent their right, auditorium. Right. So when outside groups, so say like an outside ballet school or something, wanted to have sure. a recital in our auditorium, yeah. then the students that on stage crew that worked that event yeah. would get paid an hourly rate for that. It was like 10 bucks an hour, which at the time was really good. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We, we had the same thing at Duke Ellington yeah. School of the Arts, and it was a wonderful experience to, you know, mm-hmm. tell my parents, hey, I'm working. Yeah, getting, yeah. getting paid a little bit. And yeah. You know, a lot of the time that turned right back around into buying candy or whatever. <laughs> right, right. But it was still a good experience, and, mm-hmm. and especially, you know, coming, you know, having these random people who don't necessarily know anything about theater coming through the door and having all these expectations. And really, we were there to run the microphone or mm-hmm. when it was a dance recital. To, you know, we had all these different colored gel lights up on the psych rama, and so yeah. it was like, okay, well... Their costumes are pink, so we don't really want to put red lights on them right now. We you switched like them out? Blue or something. Yeah. Well, we had sets of, it was like red, green, and blue alternating. Yeah. So we could turn, you know, we could we could make purple by having some red and blue up at the same time oh, or I whatever. See. But we had. Electronically? No, it was a, um, a, 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 we had a programmable board, but it, we could also operate it manually. Okay, so, got it. I understand. Yeah, so we could, we could kind of, you know play around with it on the fly. Got it. Um, during so, the show. so one light is red and one light is blue or whatever. We could, yeah, but it was like, you know, 
green, red, blue, green, red, blue up top. Oh, the strip. Then, it's like a strip. Yeah, along those okay, lines. Now I get yeah. it. Okay. And then there were kickers on either side as well to, like, give some dramatic, like, okay, sure. be a cross up in the back. You yeah. Know, kind of like a big X or something. Right, right, right. <laughs> and sometimes there would be strip lights on the floor, too, mm-hmm. so that we could get, you know. Right. So there were different things that you could play around with and be kind of creative. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of it had to do with, you know, if it was a, you know, patriotic song, oh, let's put, you know, red and blue up there. Okay, great. And then... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but we would we would try really hard not to make it clash. <laughs> they gave they gave you guys a lot of um, control. I mean, yeah. not yeah. just okay, we well, write it down and you do it, and but you, do it, you yeah. guys actually could create yeah. a little bit. Yeah, and some, so sometimes with the with the the dance recitals that would come in, mm-hmm. we would actually have a rehearsal the day before, so we could kind of see oh what they're going to do. So then we could think about it and change it up if we wanted. Mm-hmm. But unless the director specifically said we really want blue for this one or mm-hmm. really or or you know what you did yesterday we didn't like that one could you do something different this time okay great no we would but mm-hmm. otherwise it was pretty much just left to our own devices awesome too, that is, is awesome so, yeah and uh and so that was fun and so i got to be head of stage crew my junior year mm-hmm. and usually people weren't head more than one year so i was assistant head the second year mm-hmm. or my my senior year yeah um and uh, we had a really great TD, um, Mr. S, Mr. Sabia. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, after he retired right around the same time that I graduated. And mm-hmm. so then the next technical director happened to have a T as his name. So he was Mr. T because the previous one had been Mr. S. Oh, okay, he yeah. Nothing like Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> well, not a lot of people but do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then you were off so, to college, right? Right. So, But the thing was is that um, – my economics class mm-hmm. in high school, in my se- during my senior year, mm-hmm. we were told, okay, pick a career that you could foresee yourself doing. Right. I'm like, okay, well, I could, at this point, because I'd already stage managed a couple shows mm-hmm. and other various things, I'm like, oh, I could be a stage manager, professional stage manager. And so I said to the econ teacher, okay, I'll, I'll be a stage manager, mm-hmm. just because I didn't know what she was going to have us do at that yeah. point. And it turned out she wanted us to do like 20 hours worth of community service in mm. whatever field we had talked about. So if we were, oh, I want to be a lawyer. Okay, well, you're going to go help at a law firm or you're going to, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. So I said, well, I'm already on stage crew. You know, can't I just have, you know, because you already had to do work each week for stage mm-hmm. crew anyway. Yeah. And she's like, no, you're already involved with that. You have to do something else. Mm. Which I didn't think was very fair. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So then I had to go out and figure out what to do next. Well, Susan Kendall, mm-hmm. who you and I know, yeah. um, had been my Girl Scout troop leader. And <laughs> I, I vaguely remember that story, yeah. And so my mom called Susan and said, hey, Susan, do you have anything going on anytime soon? And mm-hmm. she said, oh, well, actually, we do have something going on soon. And it was an EastEnders production mm-hmm. of Something Cloudy, Something Clear that was being produced at uh, Theater Yugen, mm-hmm. the, the no space over there on, like, 17th or 18th, like, right where... Um, like close to Valencia, or um, I know it's in no, like it's the mission. Farther, it's on the other side of Harrison, like okay. over where um, Traveling Jewish had been. Right, right, right. Okay. And now it's I can't remember what the company. They're not is there now. anymore. Traveling Jewish. No, they're not there. But the okay. space is still there. It's just called something else. Sure. Z below, I think, is what they're calling it. Yeah. Now. So I guess the Z space is the other. So one. you worked but with Eastenders. You must have been what 18, 19 years old. I was old? eighteen at the time. Yeah. My God, you really did grow up with Eastenders. Yeah. 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 And so they were doing something cloudy, something clear, and so Susan's like, Oh yeah, we could we could. Use as a rehearsal stage manager mm-hmm. because apparently they didn't have one at that point. Okay. And so I went, and so we did use the, um, I, I'm assuming it was the Phoenix space over there on Geary yeah. as a rehearsal space. Uh-huh. It was not where we performed, but, yeah. but there was some kind of studio. Over, and it may be that we were renting actually from ACT because ACT's got a building over on mm-hmm. Geary as well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but at any rate, a couple rehearsals there mm-hmm. as a rehearsal stage manager, and then I helped with concessions during the run for a couple performances. And yeah. So I got my 20 hours, and that yeah. was all great. And so got the sign-off for the, the econ teacher, and mm-hmm. then they needed a stage manager for <laughs> um, uh, Chuck Polly's play, the, the second of his uh, the Twilight, Twilight trilogy. trilogy yeah. So uh, Twilight Story is the second of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. And so um, Susan Evans said, hey, could you come <laughs> So that was my, my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. I was that fall um, stage managing the whole run uh-huh. um, and, and all the rehearsals of uh, um, Twilight Story. Yeah. So. And for those who don't know the Twilight Story, so the late Chuck Polly was the uh, the head of EastEnders. He's one, I think he was the uh, the the originator, the, the, he, founding, artistic the founding artistic director. director. And Twilight Story was a trilogy that he wrote basically about his own life. I think he grew up in... 
Was it Kentucky? Nebraska? Kentucky. Yeah, in Appalachia. Yeah, and it's basically his story as a, a gay man growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's and fictionalized elements in there, of course, but it was yeah. sort of based on his his experiences. Yeah, but it meant an awful, awful lot to him. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the story, and it, I, I assume, I mean, you would know this better than I would, that he created, EastEnders was sort of created so that he could, uh, there are a lot of companies that create the company just to produce a particular show, and if there's enough energy, then the company will just continue yeah, and, and beyond. And I'm not sure on that. Um, okay. I, kn- I know that Twyla's Boy, which is the first of the trilogy, right. was one of the earliest pieces, but I'm not sure that that was the first thing that they did. I think they did some other things before. Oh, really? Okay. And I know that that same core group of people, so yeah. Susan Kendall and Chuck Polly and Jeff Thompson, mm-hmm. uh, James Kitzmiller, who's yeah. in uh, Albuquerque now. Joseph Leonardi, was he a part of that? No, I don't think he wasn't at that point. No. Okay. Um, he came later on. I saw some Craig footage. Dickerson. Yeah. Um, so that that grouping of people had done a couple of shows together. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard them talk about the adding machine. I have not seen the adding machine. Yeah. But um, yeah. but I know that that was one of the early pieces. So I don't know if adding machine was technically an EastEnders production or not. Okay. Um, but it was around that same yeah. time. I had seen some early shots of Deb Carragher in an earlier production of EastEnders. Do you know which one she was um, in? I think the. F- First production she did was eight by ten. Okay, that's probably right. Um, there might have been one more prior to that, but, but mm-hmm. the first one I remember very. Cl- oh, you know what? I think she may have been involved. The first two mm-hmm. um, one act festivals that EastEnders did. Yeah. The first one was just called Hundred Years of One Acts, which ultimately became um, the American. Susan Evans refers to it as the American One Acts. Yeah. Um, and then the second one was Hundred Years of European One Acts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Deb might have been involved with the Euro One Acts. Okay. Um, which I wasn't, other than helping with concessions a couple of times, yeah. I wasn't really involved with that yeah. particular production. Well, Deb, if you're listening, you can verify this on yeah. Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, so it sounds like you were working on EastEnders while you went to college. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. And I had decided early on that, you know, while I was still in high school, Mm -hmm. that to me, theater is something that's fun. Yeah. And if it's not fun, Mm -hmm. then there's no point in doing it. Right. And so, to me, something that you're required to do all the time Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily make something fun. So that's why I decided not to go into theater as a major in Mm -hmm. college. Mm -hmm. Um, And also the only only program around that I'm aware of as as an undergraduate program was the one at Santa Cruz, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and I wasn't really interested in going to Santa Cruz, so, okay, yeah. so I wanted to stay in the city, mm-hmm. and uh, um, I didn't really know anything about uh, San Francisco State's theater program at that point, other than that they had done a really fantastic job with uh, Sweeney Todd. Yeah. I think it was when I was in uh, in my sophomore or junior year of high school mm-hmm. um, that a friend of mine her sister was in the cast, and so we went and saw it, and, mm-hmm. and it was just amazing. And I still, to this day, haven't figured out how they did it, but mm-hmm. um, the, the set was, you know, of course, a multi-story thing, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a skylight built into the set, and during the first act, it was raining on the skylight, mm-hmm. and then during intermission, the rain turned from water to blood. Wow. And so that's I'm awesome. not sure how they did that. Yeah. I would love to know, but... But at any rate, mm-hmm. so that's one of those productions that, like, sticks with me as, as being, you know, yeah. set-wise, really fantastic. And, like, how did they do that? Wow. So. Yeah, I remember the, I remember uh, in 2007, I think it was AC, it may have been ACT who did a production of Sweeney Todd, but I still remember the was old... Was the one with the lights coming up through the floorboards? I think so. Yes, yeah. exactly right. Mm-hmm. As if it were a grate. Yeah. That was okay, although I'm, I'm still nostalgic of the older versions where they had the orchestra and you mm-hmm. had... Um, uh, Lynn Carriou and uh, Angela yes. Lansbury. Yeah. I didn't see that's that one. The gold standard, isn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> that's the gold standard. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember seeing a version of, of mm-hmm. uh, Lynn Carriou and another woman. It wasn't Angela Lansbury. Patty, it was Patty Lupone. Um, was that the one where it was like a staged version? Yeah. Or, like, it wasn't here. It was in New York. Oh, okay. It was in New York. Yeah. I don't think it was Patty. I would have remembered if it was Patty Lupone. I think it was at um, Circle in the Square. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it really was just fantastic. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I understand the scaled-down version. It's it's yeah. an economic way of doing it. But yeah. But know, that particular production, the one that you're talking about at ACT, I did see that. And yeah. it, it was interesting because all the cast members were playing their own instruments. Exactly. So, exactly. like, Joanna might have – I can't re- – I think she had a, a cello yeah. in her case. And then somebody else was 
playing clarinet and all mm-hmm. this. And, of course, these actors are not necessarily musicians. I mean, sure, they can play an instrument, but that's not necessarily their their focus in life. Right. And so to me, the the lack – not and, again, it, didn't, it wasn't like it sucked or anything. It mm-hmm. was just that – the, the sort of depth of feeling that you get from a professional musician, it just wasn't quite there right. as I was concerned. But yeah, I understand the artistic choice. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, uh, and it's, I, from my understanding, that's not the only production where they have the actors been, do this. Yeah. There have been multiple mm-hmm. others. Yeah, I saw a version of Company that was like that as well, that the, the yeah. actors were all playing instruments. And I still chalk it up as an economic thing where you just don't want to pay an orchestra to do it. You want, um, but it's it's still kind of sad. I still remember and wish the old version. Mm-hmm. I would love to have uh, the Douglas Morrison Theater do something like Sweeney Todd because mm-hmm. they do have an orchestra, yeah. so that would be cool. Yeah. So what did you take? What was your major? Geography. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Okay. My, my in- original intention had been to go into the park service. Okay. And and then that didn't happen because then I got a, a, a actual day job with benefits and everything. Okay. And, uh, and so I'm actually still in, not that exact same job, but that same office that I've just sort of taken on more duties and shifted into this, and mm-hmm. then it became full-time, and then shifted into this other area. So so I've, I've been working in that same job since 97 uh, in various various forms. Yeah. And uh, and so, you know, I've been paying into retirement yeah. and all these other things. You're, so. you're exactly like yeah. me. I've been working for the city for, uh, for 20 years since 97. Mm-hmm. I began in uh, February the 3rd, 97. Mm-hmm. I think my effective date was, I think, as a staff person, yeah. was um, uh, February 21st of 2001, technically. Okay. But prior to that, I had been a student employee. Okay. So. Yeah. So I think, like you, because I know with my, ben- I have, this is nothing to do with theater, but that's okay. <laughs> but I know with my uh, retirement package, uh, it's 20, you have to work 20 years plus be 50. Mm-hmm. And if you want your full package, you have to be 60 plus 30 years. Mm-hmm. Is it the same with you, or is I'm it different? Sure. I mean, I haven't really looked into it too much at this point. I know that there's several of my coworkers have retired at 55. Okay. Now, with with their, you know, not necessarily 100% of their existing salary, it's, mm-hmm. it's probably, you know, 85% or something. I don't know. But, yeah. But CalPERS is actually really good about that kind of thing. But there's a certain number of years of service that once you hit that number of years of service, yeah. you actually make more in retirement than you do working in the office. Yeah. And, so, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure exactly where that threshold is, but I'll definitely, by the time I'm 55, I'll definitely have the years of service in. I just don't know if I'll yeah. get that level of years of sure. service. I, well, you'll start getting the emails so. from folks saying, hey, you know, you're getting close. You need to take these seminars and yeah. all that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, and there are, there are things being offered. I just haven't mm-hmm. gotten off my butt to go to any of them. You have time. <laughs> so yeah, you have plenty, of, plenty time. of time. Which, and that's the thing is I'm like, I, I'm, I'm not even close. I'm not even going to worry about this right. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Norman and I, we've been talking about theater as a community and, you know, theater not only being a thing to do when it's fun and uh, and you enjoy, but also being with a company of people that you enjoy being around. Was that mm-hmm. is that the, sort of the, the thing that drew you? I mean, EastEnders, when I think about EastEnders, it's not just a company, but it's like mm-hmm. family. Yes. I mean, oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean... You know, we would get, you know, the, the people in the company would get together for holidays and people's birthdays mm-hmm. and, and, you know, just randomly on a weekend. And, yeah. and we had a, a playwriting workshop that we had. That's right. Um, you know, practically every other Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, f- sometimes it would be every Monday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. That's that's what I miss at this point is, yeah. is having that, that group of people that you see regularly that are looking out for you mm-hmm. and that you get to spend time with and really get to know and have fun times with. Yeah. You know, even if, if sad things are going on or whatever. Well, sure, but, sure, sure. But, um, but yeah, yeah, very much so. As you look at, because you have, you've seen sort of the Bay Area, not just the theater scene, but really mm-hmm. San Francisco in general, yes. change through mm-hmm. the years. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, through administrations, mm-hmm. Willie Brown and, and um, uh, you know, a bunch of other folks. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that um, gentrification or even just the change of the time. Do you think that, that things have changed so much? Like even in theater, you know, uh, yesterday we had Jeannie Baroga, and um, and we were talking about how sometimes th- some folks who get into theater get into it for uh, a very different reason from family. It's a lot like, hey, it's a business. I need to make money. You know, we need to uh, – I'm going to go in, do my role, and then step out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that, th- that it's sort of changed? Like, you know, East Enders isn't around anymore, and you've worked with other companies – which may have a different vibe. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you just feel that things have changed radically since when you first I, came in? I wouldn't say so for small small budget kind of theaters. Okay. Um, 
I, I don't, I didn't have much experience in large budget theaters, mm-hmm. um, uh, even as an audience member very much until fairly recently. Yeah. Um, and so I can't really speak too much about that. But in terms of, you know, getting a group of people together, hey, we're going to put on this play and, you know, hopefully they have a 501c3 <laughs> or something yeah, comparable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or at least a project of somebody else's 501c3. I don't feel like that has changed too much other than, of course, people are commuting from farther away. Right. Or they're, you know, they're more money focused than they used to be because I, I feel like, and this is just for me and I'm not a professional theater person. Um, I'm, I'm prefacing this before I say anything. Mm-hmm. That a lot of actors, in my experience, mm-hmm. um, do it for the love of the thing. That they want to be on stage. They want to act. Mm-hmm. That, you know, they like the piece or they, they want to be the center of attention mm-hmm. or whatever it is that, that is important to them in that regard. Yeah. And that, that the money is not necessarily as important. And I know that Norman does not feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> Having listened to this podcast well, yeah. many times. But, but, he, he, but he's, he's also a, profesh- well, he's he's a professional right. actor. Right. And so, so there's, to me, there's a huge difference there because people who are, are in theater as sort of a hobby mm-hmm. are doing it for very different reasons as far as I'm concerned. Well, sure. people who are, who are trying to make ends meet, trying to yeah. do that too. And it is, of course, possible to do, you know, between, um, you know, videos for companies or going in and, and giving um, uh public speaking kinds of um, mm-hmm. lectures or workshops to yeah. to companies, you know, to salespeople or whatnot. I mean, there's lots of different ways that people can get, you know, use their theater background sure. in things that are not the theater. Right. Um, and, and, of course, can make yeah, like, YouTube, like YouTube videos and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but, you know, going, you know, there's always, you know, oh, we're going to make a, you know, sexual harassment video or whatever for such and such company. And mm-hmm. so, so they, of course, need actors to come in and, and be in that video. And right. So there's, there's ways for people to make money if they mm-hmm. know, get in the right doors. Yeah. But, um, but I would say, by and large, most of the actors that I know mm-hmm. are doing it for fun. Um, and or because they love the thing and not not to make ends meet. Yeah. That's my personal experience from yeah. the people that I know yeah. on an ongoing basis. Well, one of the things that make you and I similar is that we have day jobs in mm-hmm. the government, so we can yeah. afford to do things sort of on the side yeah. and not stress about, oh, my God, I need to yeah. go to these auditions and, and, and what yeah. have you because – Get a paid gig to make ends meet, make you know, pay my rent this month. Right, exactly. I mean, I've, I've had friends of mine, um, like from Bendelstiff, who's mm-hmm. had to move out of town mm-hmm. because they Absolutely. just they just couldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, and that's the sad part about it because you want to do something that's fun, but you can't afford mm-hmm. to do it because you know uh, rents increasing or whatever. You're doing okay as far as your living situation, oh, yes. right? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you haven't been hit by yeah. um, gentrification. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, Let's see. What else can we? Um, I, I'm curious about just j- the whole, the just of family, you know, because um, I've been a part of theater companies where they've talked about, oh, this is going to be fun or whatever, but they don't quite get it because um, I don't know, one person is, isn't on the same page, or let's say there's communications issues or whatever. Like we talked about the late Mike Ward. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike Ward, he really wanted to create, like he was a part of a company called ISIS Arts Initiative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which um, I was a part of a production. It was in, I think, 2003. There, it was basically a series of one acts to protest George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, people are so intense in getting what they want from the production that, you know, heads butt mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and feelings clash or whatever. I remember one situation uh, where Mike was yelling at um, the um, our good friend Megan. Mm-hmm. Um, yes who is uh, married to Travis Bedard. Yeah. And I just felt so bad for her because, you know, she was just horribly treated. Mm-hmm. Um, because I guess the, the director, and there were a bunch of directors, wanted the sun, moon, and stars. They wanted everything lighting-wise yeah. to happen. Yeah, and in a small theater, <laughs> there's not that many sure. <laughs> And if you're lighting for several shows. Right. Then yeah, obviously you have a general make... wash with just a couple of specials right. and not yeah. everything be a special. <laughs> so, so that's a question for you. Like, yeah. have you dealt with a company where – they don't quite understand the, the, the concept of compromise where, you know, you have to work within your means. Yeah, I've, I've been very lucky in that in most cases I've been working with, with companies that fully understand the limitations of their budget or the, the constraints of the space. Mm-hmm. So I haven't had to deal with that too much. Okay. Um, 
there, there have been a couple of occasions where, and I, I think that that production I was talking about before, the one that was the co-production with New Conservatory, and New Conservatory, I want to say, was very hands-off with that production. Essentially, mm. we're just using their space. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, their house manager. Um, but, uh, but you know, I, I was running the board, too. In addition to being the stage manager, I was mm-hmm. running the lights. And, and there wasn't really any sound to speak of because it was, it was uh, live musicians. Mm-hmm. But, um but uh, but certainly the light board. And, of course, the, the show would change after every, like, one or two performances because mm-hmm. it was a workshop production. So yeah. he'd be tweaking it constantly. And mm-hmm. so then I'd had to, you know, you know, we had to get the person out with the ladder so that we could refocus the light a little mm-hmm. bit and this kind of stuff. So, so yeah. that was, you know, more so than with a regular run where you, you know, of course, you do your pre-checks before the show starts sure. to make sure nothing has slipped. And then, of course, if something has slipped, then you fix it. But mm-hmm. but other than that, you know, it's, it's pretty much just maintenance at that point. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but this was very much, you know, complete artistic changes after practically every performance. Mm, and so, so that good. was an extra yeah. challenge for yeah. the, the cast members. And so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I would say overall that that was the, the most trying show that I've worked on just yeah. because, you know, it, it was changing constantly. There was, yeah. and, and even during the run, whereas normally once it's open, mm-hmm. you know, it's not exactly the same show every night because it's a live performance and there's no way for that it can absolutely be the same show sure. every night. But, but at least, you know, you walk <coughs> through the door thinking it's going to be the same show every night. Yeah. And, and have the same expectations about, okay, I'm going to click this light at this time and mm-hmm. then come up in four seconds or whatever. Sure. And, and that was not the case with this particular yeah, show. It's very, very odd that a director, because usually the director at a point, especially mm-hmm. when the show is in the air, what I call in the air, when, yeah. you know, after opening night, they're mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll Hands see off. you later. Yep. Hands off and it's mm-hmm. yours. Yeah. And in that situation, it wasn't. It was not, no. Now, now here's a question for you. Um, A lot of actors, they go through emotional changes, let's say, within a, you know, Norman and I have talked about, let's say if you're doing a a particularly difficult, um, let's say a tragedy or something like that, and Mm -hmm. let's say they have to, within the character, you know, go through things. And we've talked about even depression, you know, like uh, dealing with um, just... I mean, as actors, we have to manage our emotions. Mm-hmm. Our emotions are, are um, the fuel, yeah. and we have to um, change. But have you had to go through, I guess, emotional changes as a stage manager or just in, in doing tech? Like, I, there have been times in tech where I've said, I'll never work with that company ever again because <laughs> I just they're just mm-hmm. driving me absolutely crazy. Yeah. Or, the act, or the actors aren't respecting me. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had to go through anything like that? Not really. I mean, I, again, I think I've been very lucky in that regard mm-hmm. um, that, you know, I, I tend to work with the same, you know, not necessarily exactly the same people, but sort of the same core group of people over mm-hmm. and over. And so um, so since we're, you know, friends on outside of the theater, um, I feel like we all respect each other very, very well. But, mm-hmm. but, um, but certainly there have been cases where, you know, somebody's had something horrible happen to them during the run mm-hmm. or whatever, and so then I... As a stage manager, I feel like I need to go in and, you know, check on them, make sure they're okay and mm-hmm. see if they can go on and, and you know, make adjustments accordingly, try to, you know, give them more space or mm-hmm. give them extra time or, or whatever I can um, to help them through what it is that they're going through. Mm. Um, in terms of, you know, for my own thing, I mean, certainly they'll, they were there are occasions now and again where, you know, somebody will snap at you or... <laughs> um, uh, you know, try to tell you six different things at the same time, and it's like, how come this isn't done yet? Well, because you told me to go do this other thing, and mm. to me, that's more important in the short term. Than so you know how to handle yeah. those situations. Yeah, because you know I'm to dealing with multitasking at my job all the time as well. So, so mm-hmm. it's something that I'm kind of used to is yeah. the you know being pulled in six directions at the same time, mm-hmm. and so you know it. it is challenging and it is something that that takes a lot of practice to to be able to get it right um, yeah and you can't always get it right i mean mm-hmm. sometimes the, what's being asked of you is just physically impossible to do yeah um and so that's where you have to just say okay that's not going to work but we could do this instead or how about this or mm-hmm. or which is more important to you this or that or you know yeah and uh, and then let them make the choice at that point a lot of loud talking <laughs> <laughs> um have you ever uh, have you ever had to um do you, have a, do you have an equity book? Uh, I do not, no. Okay. Because uh, there was a, uh, although it wasn't an equity production, I know Central Works, when I stage managed for them, mm-hmm. it was expected that I would know the equity rules and that sort of stuff. But yeah. even though you don't, you still sort of, I mean, uh, there, there are some basic things like, you know, once every, I think, 40 minutes or whatever, there should be a break. 
and that sort of stuff. I mean, you have your own internal rules that you hold on to. You mean for during the as a stage manager? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mostly I, I follow the director's lead unless I can tell that the actors are really fading really bad and that the director wants to keep pushing forward. I'm like, can we please take a break? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes they'll be like, I'm, you know, I need to take a bathroom break. So, and then it's like, oh, okay, well, then, then you know, okay, everybody take five now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then that sort of forces a break for everybody else. Yeah. But, um, but you know, again, luckily I, I feel like the directors that I've worked with by and large have been very respectful of their casts mm-hmm. and, and haven't really been pushing them to the limit too much. And uh, um, so I, I don't know anything about the 40-minute the thing that you're, you're specifically mentioning, but um, but I do know, of course, you know certain things like equity cast, um, the call time is much later than everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have to be there quite as early usually. Yeah. Um, of course, it depends on when everybody else is called. But, sure, sure. But, you know, those, those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and and I've, I have worked on productions with BAP contracts, but I have not been the one with the knowledge of what the contract is detailing. That, and in those cases, uh, it was with Susan Evans, and so she was the one with the knowledge of that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So she was the one spearheading yeah. and following the policies. Have you ever had to work with a crew, like you managing a crew? Yes. Okay. Yeah. How that experience? Many times. <laughs> Because usually, you know, there have been times where I've been a stage manager and it was just me. Yes, and and I, I feel like by and large it's it's been where it's been me and maybe one or two other people. Mm-hmm. But, yes, I absolutely have worked on productions where there's there's a whole crew of people and sometimes mm-hmm. you end up roping in actors that aren't in those scenes to help move furniture yeah. around mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. That happens constantly in the productions that I've worked on. Oh, sure, yeah. And but as far as crew, because yeah. that's another hat that you put on because yes. you're almost an administrator. Yeah. And sometimes it would be different because you're mm-hmm. ordering people to do things, and I know right. that may be uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, and and it, thankfully it, it hasn't come up very frequently where it is uncomfortable. I mean, mm-hmm. there have been some occasions where there's been a crew member that, you know, they're not quite as on top of things as I feel like I am, yeah. and so <laughs> I'll give them an instruction, or I'll be in the booth, and I can't do anything about what they are or right. are doing. I'm mm-hmm. like, no, 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 don't put it there, but then if there's no headsets or <laughs> right. there's not enough time to fix it, then yeah. the show must go <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about you as a playwright because mm-hmm. I, I still think, you, you know, there's an untapped talent in you because, you know, you've written some wonderful, wonderful oh, things. I still remember Polyamory. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Are you still working on that or is that – ha- was it No, I haven't anything? actually written anything in several years now. Okay. Um, you know, uh, uh, Chuck Polly, before he passed away, he, he had, of course, had this group of, um, you know, playwriting group. And, you know, it was you and me and Isaiah Dufort and mm-hmm. Jeff Thompson and, and uh, Gene Mochi was there and yeah. some other people. And so um, uh, uh, John Hutchinson had that great play um, that he was working on. That, that, yeah, that and, is right. Uh, yeah. And I really hope he finishes it at some point, John. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I've got to get John on. Yeah, every, everybody was doing their own thing. It was completely different styles. I mean, um, uh, Jeff had the one where it was set in his apartment building mm-hmm. and, and all these various characters. Is that walls? Yes, thin walls. Yeah. And then um, uh, Isaiah frequently would be working on short pieces. Mm-hmm. And I, I suspect that where, he was, Where is Isaiah these days? Isaiah is, and this is new news, I haven't actually talked to him since I heard about this. Um, he is now the director of San Francisco Art and Film, um, which is a nonprofit that... Um, uh, Bring cinema um, to high school students, wow. largely high school students. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that the, it sometimes can dip into middle school, and sometimes people stay on into college. But but yeah. the focus is on high school students, and yeah. so um, so they have several different programs. They mm-hmm. have um, um, where they show films once a week, and, mm-hmm. and then have a discussion after the film about whatever. You know, sometimes it's interesting because it's a, a director. You know, the directorial style is there, whatever. Yeah. And then they also do. Um, uh, they take them to art galleries mm-hmm. um, on, I think it's Saturdays, and so they'll they'll go to MoMA or they'll go to the Contemporary Jewish Museum Very or they'll nice. go to, um, and it, and largely those are donated mm-hmm. um, entries, and then they'll, they'll but they'll have docents take them around and mm-hmm. stuff, and then um, I think Sundays are the days that they do their. Um, uh, the screenwriting program, okay, um, and then they they film the the, the scripts that they write, mm-hmm. um, and and then they also they get donations from various theater companies, mm-hmm. uh, largely large houses and and the symphony and the opera and stuff, um, so that the kids can go and actually be in the audience mm-hmm. um, of uh, you know go see the opera, go see mm-hmm. so some of these like uh, unsold tickets that you know the symphony knows they're not going to s- you know sell out the whole thing so okay well let's donate 20 tickets to uh, mm-hmm. art and film and so they'll get a group of kids together and take them 
Boston Symphony and nice. that kind of thing. So, yeah. so he's now the director of that program. He's been the assistant director for mm-hmm. for uh, quite a long time. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, we've got to get Isaiah on the uh, yes. show because I, I thought that he was out of town or something no, like no, that. No, no, he's here. Yeah, no, awesome. he's definitely here. So um, are you still working? I mean, hopefully after – I know that, you know, when each interview went away. Mm-hmm. Are you still are you working with any uh, with any uh, writing workshops or anything like that? No, no, I haven't. And part of it was also because around the same time I moved, okay. and so I had been doing a lot of my writing actually on Muni during okay. my morning commute. Oh, awesome! And so since I moved and my commute is now three minutes from my front door to my desk, yeah, um, I don't have that time to to write the way that I had before, mm-hmm. and, and I do have a dog and so it's difficult to write while yeah, walking pancake. the dog and so you know it's very different if you're sitting in, in a seat with a pen and a tablet and yeah and versus walking but, down the well you don't the leash, you so. work on weekends i mean do you write on weekends or? i don't know okay no yeah sometimes i do end up working on weekends. oh yeah like this weekend i'll be working but um but this is also a really busy time of year because the fall semester just started. sure you gotta make sure everybody gets paid what what are the sort of things that uh, i know that i know the things that inspire me to write like i'm interested in American history and black history, um, I've talked mm-hmm. about Four Men in Paris and uh, even the musical. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, my, my, my dad was a, uh, uh, an R&B singer, and now he mm-hmm. sings gospel. So, you know, music, writing music is sort of the thing. So that gravitates me towards plays, and, mm-hmm. and those are the things that motivate me. Yeah. What, are the, what are the topics that motivate you as a writer? So for me, it's largely people I observe. Okay. So, again, when I lived downtown... Um, you know, I'd pass homeless people. Mm-hmm. I would pass, you know, tourists arguing with their spouse on the street. I would, you know, mm-hmm. various things, pe- random people I would see on Muni. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that was, would sort of trigger something in me. And, you know, sometimes it would be sort of like, oh, I wonder what would happen if I combined this character, you know, this, um, you know, street artist or whatever mm-hmm. um, with this other person I happen to know on the side. Yeah. Like, what would that look like if, if that person was was this, you know, street mm-hmm. artist or something. Yeah. And so that that largely has has um, been what I've written about has been, um, you know, sort of things that I observe. I, I very much I, – I don't generally, when I'm out in public, use headphones. Okay. Because um, I like to, to hear my surroundings mm-hmm. and, you know, find hear all kinds of little random tidbits of conversations that it's oh, like, sure. what on oh, earth sure. are they talking about? And yeah. then my imagination just sort of takes over. Yeah. <laughs> And I remember, I, I know, I think you submitted some things. I'm looking at the poster, Pride Open, mm-hmm. and you yeah. submitted some works for Pride Open. Yeah, quite a few, actually. Yeah, I, I want to say almost, almost a quarter to a third of it. Was, yeah, yeah, was my writing. Yeah, I think so um, because uh, Chuck gave us all of us an assignment, yeah. and uh, uh, some of us, I think, two of mine got in. Yeah, uh, and then you had some original music in there too. Right, exactly. I yeah. think all of the mu- yeah, all the music was uh, mine. But uh, you yeah. had a lot of stuff. That wasn't the last time that yours. Have you had any other things produced? Um, well, during um, Fofo, one okay. one, so so Eastenders, for those who aren't aware, um, did a lot of new works in addition to um, one-act festivals and, mm-hmm. and some full lengths as well. Um, and so one of the things we did on several occasions was we would take a, um, a one-act play by an established playwright, mm-hmm. and that would be Act 1. And then Act 2 would be new works sort of by, by local playwrights, mm-hmm. kind of riffing off of or inspired by that original piece. So we did that oh, with Tennessee Williams. Yeah. We did that with Harold Pinter. Mm-hmm. And we did that with Dario Fo. Mm-hmm. And so both the Pinter um, one, which was called Pinteresque, mm-hmm. um, which the uh, the main play was Pinter's The Lover, mm-hmm. um, and uh, which starred Michael Greeley and uh, uh, Craig Dickerson. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Wiley Herman as the milkman. Um, <laughs> Wiley, I haven't heard that name in a long time. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about Wiley again later on because uh, uh, the shoutouts at the end. There's uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. P season right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so that was that was one. So I wrote a piece for the second act of, of Pinterest. and then I also um, for uh, Fofo was the the name of the other one, and mm-hmm. it was uh, we won't pay, we won't pay. Uh, which of course is sometimes translated as "can't pay, won't pay," and mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. But at any rate, that that Dario Fo piece, mm-hmm. and then there were actually two sets of, of evenings that we uh, we did in rep because mm-hmm. um, there were I think eight pieces yeah. written for that one. And, and uh, once you get that many, it just won't fit into a second act. You got sure. to break it up a little bit more. Sure, sure. So um, so I had a piece um, for uh, for one of those as well. Nice. So. Yeah, I would love to see uh, one of you uh, still. I would like to see you still, you know, produce or have someone 
produce you know, some yeah. of your stuff because, you know, you have a very uh, wonderful gift of uh, dialogue. Yeah, I, I find that, you know, and, and um, I don't know how many other people really miss TBA magazine. You know, Theater Bay Area used to, to do a print magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the, right. the uh, information is, yeah. is online now mm-hmm. instead. But, but to me, it's not the same as, you know, being able to sit somewhere and actually turn the pages and, and read the, the pages of the magazine because mm-hmm. that's where I would find out about various opportunities of, oh, you know, this small theater company is doing some play that I love and I really want to go see it. And, yeah. you know, even if it was inconvenient to get there, I'd still find some way of getting there because I said, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, put that on my calendar that this thing is coming up and yeah. try to figure out how to get there. Yeah. Um, but there was also, there was this whole section of playwriting opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so while I didn't actually ever make use of it, it did make me think about, hey, you know, this, they're looking for something focusing on, you know, whatever this topic is. And so, yeah, well, I could, maybe I could write something that quickly. You know, sometimes I could. <laughs> but, right. But, you know, that, that, that kind of, you know, something that's coming up to sort of inspire me to, to actually yeah. write something, um, that hasn't happened recently. Because, of course, yeah. I don't have that resource there to turn the Yeah, that's, that's one of the casualties of print. I mean, print, one of the things about print is that although something may be online, somebody has to tell you. That it's online. You almost yeah. have to find it mm-hmm. instead of it just being there. I mean, I doubt if there'll yeah. be a push notification that'll tell you, oh, there's a playwriting thing yeah. going on. No. And, hope, and that's one of the reasons why I'm doing the podcast mm-hmm. so that we can, in another medium, talk about, you know, the things that are going on. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I know, TB, you know I, I'm a member of TBA just with the, the lowest level of membership, the one where it's, it's mostly as an audience member. Because yeah. that's largely what I do in theater these days as an, an audience member mm-hmm. for uh, the, the 17, 18 season. I'm subscribing to like five or six different companies. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. So I've been seeing a lot of stuff lately. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but at any rate, so most of the notices that I get from TBA mm-hmm. are about audience, you know, free tickets or discounted tickets or mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It's not – and, of course, I'm not subscribed to the, the casting notice thing because, of course, I'm not an actor. And so, sure. therefore, I, I mm-hmm. don't necessarily need to know when there are the auditions and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, the, I'm not getting that kind of stuff at this moment. Not even and emails? So, no, not not really, no. Hmm. no that's a so, shame. But, again, I, I think I'm just on the wrong mailing list for them. But I'm, at the same time, I don't really need the audition notices. So yeah. the fact that I'm not getting them is not a problem for me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But it might be for other people. Now, you said so. you've seen some shows. Are there any um, excellent shows that you've seen lately? Oh, goodness, yes. Um, so um, there's some things coming up that are actually closing this weekend. There's, mm-hmm. there's several things that are closing Sunday. Yeah. Um, and one of them is the, the Fisher King Project. I've been talking about that. Which is uh, um, uh, it's one weekend. It's five performances. Tonight is performance number two. Yeah. Um, so there's a Saturday matinee. Saturday evening performance right. and then a Three Sunday matinee. Yeah. And um and Wiley Herman is in that. He's mm-hmm. he's playing Jack. Um Wow, and, I've been talking uh, about the <laughs> but I didn't realize that he was in it. That's he's awesome. In it, yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh and so uh several of us went last night yeah. and, and saw it. Wasn't and Wiley in Wonder of the World? Or no, no that's somebody else. No. That's that's uh Dannenberg. Yes, um Mark Mark, Mark Hines. Mark yeah. Dannenberg Hines. Yeah. Who's I'm, in I, Chicago, I think. I know I've seen Wiley. Uh, he was in a production. It's one of those things where you know an actor, but yeah. you don't know where. He was in Pinteresque. He okay. Was, he was the milkman in Pinteresque, but he also had several roles in the second act. Okay. Because the, the second act, it was a lot of, um, we had the same group of actors in rep for a lot of the, the short pieces. Got it. So yeah. he was in that. And I think he might have done one other production with EastEnders, but yeah, that was the, the primary one, I think. Okay. Um, and uh, it, yeah, the, his role in, in The Lover was sort of a walk-on. Yeah. Where he played the milkman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the Fisher so, King, and we'll yeah. we'll plug that at the very yeah. end, and I uh, I'll uh, put a little blurb on that. Yeah. Um, let's talk. I've been talking to various people who who've been here about mm-hmm. politics. I mean, what do you think? What's what, what's what's oh going goodness. on? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does where it sh- to start? Yeah. Um, I I'm a news junkie. I really like watching the news and stuff. But the last nine months or so, yeah, it I just haven't had it in me to to pay it as much attention to the news as I would like to yeah. because it just is so infuriating that I just, for my own mental health, I'm just like, yeah. nope, I just cannot be it's, watching It's gotten very, things. very personal, so, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and even, you know, even things that he's doing that don't affect me personally, yeah. I, because I am an empathetic person to other people in their situations, sure. you know, like with the DACA thing, it's like, you know, these 
children were brought here by their parents. They had absolutely no say in this. That's right. Largely, they came as infants. Mm -hmm. They don't speak the other language. They maybe other than being born there, maybe they they never you know didn't even learn to speak while they were there. <laughs> right, right. How on earth are they supposed to get sent back there? How how is you know how is that? Yeah. And how does that serve America? I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't yeah. It doesn't. Yeah, I, I think it's just very trolling. And also, I talked mm -hmm. yesterday about Title IX. You know, them wanting to strip out the provision of forcing colleges to focus on domestic violence. Right. And I mean, I'm not domestic violence, but uh, sexual harassment. Yeah. And and how is that serving anyone? Yeah. Like other than just protecting people who are doing the harassing. Right. Or pretend, you know, being accused of doing the harassing. Yeah. But. It's yeah, still it's, it's, it's just anti-Obama, and yeah. he's he's preaching to a crowd. He's appeasing a crowd that he already has, mm -hmm. and that doesn't make any political sense. No, I mean not that he's the smartest guy in the world. So no. I don't, I don't. You can't expect logic from illogical people, but right. uh, it's just it's it's just very painful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. absolutely. So uh, uh. let's see. We've hit the one-hour mark. Oh. <laughs> well, time flies when you're having yes. fun. <laughs> Did you want to uh, add one last thing? Um, where I guess, we, you know, we've done the uh, shout-out. Well, you mentioned the Fisher King. Yes. And uh, and so um, Half Moon Bay Shakes is doing Romeo y Julieta mm -hmm. down at, uh, I don't remember what the park is called. I have, actually, I have my program here because I saw it last weekend. Um, it is in, where is this? Sorry. That's okay. I should have been prepared. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, that's um, fine. But uh, but it's a bilingual production and mm -hmm. it's very good and uh, they've got three more performances Friday night Saturday night and Sunday matinee it's in this is, this doesn't even have the name of the park but if you go to their website mm -hmm. if if you search for Half Moon Bay Shakes and then Romeo Julieta uh, then you'll you'll find it I'm sure <laughs> and uh, oh there it is John L Carter Memorial Park in Half Moon Bay okay awesome um, and if if you do I, I encourage you to go. Um, but if if you do go, allow plenty of time to get there because traffic has been horrendous getting down there because, of course, there's really two major ways to get there from, from the peninsula mm -hmm. and from the East Bay and stuff. And, and both ways there's traffic. I, I gather one way there's construction and then the other way, if, if the weather's the least bit nice, everybody's out on the beach and trying to find parking and whatnot. So yeah. it took over two hours to get there from San Francisco the other day. Um, and... Uh, but at any rate, and it's it's in the park, so do bring a folding chair or a blanket or something of that nature. Um, and then Fisher King Project, of course, we'll talk yeah. a little bit more about that one, I'm sure. Yeah, the Fisher King Project, that's the Magic mm -hmm. Theater. Um, it opened up on the 7th, which was yesterday, and yeah. it closes on the 10th, so there's only yeah, uh, three, four day, three, three days. Three more performances after you hear this. Yeah, so um, on the 9th, there'll be a double-double, 3 p.m. and 8 p.m. Yeah. So. And, uh, and then the... The organization that Norman works with, Each One Reach One, is one of the, the mm -hmm. organizations that's going to be benefiting from the monies that are raised as part of this production. Um, there's five different um, organizations oh, for Fisher King. For Fisher King. Oh, so, that's awesome. So there's, there's five different organizations, mm -hmm. and I don't remember what the other ones are. Um, one has to do with homelessness, and I think there's another one that might have to do with mental illness, and then there's one about... Um, pets and something else. I can't remember what they all are. But at any rate, I know that each one, each one is one of them. So mm -hmm. um, so all the proceeds from that uh, will be divvied equally five ways between those five companies or five uh, nonprofits. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then uh, for people who like musicals, um, uh, Something Rotten is playing. Essex Jen is doing that um, at, the at the Orpheum, not the current, sorry. Um, and uh, and that's closing this weekend as well. And it's it's just pure fun. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> and there's lots of little references to other musicals as part of it. Oh, awesome! But uh, yeah. so that's that. And um, and uh, so we've talked about the Fish King Project, Magic mm -hmm. Theater, and uh, Romeo and Julieta. Mm -hmm. What what is the company again? I forgot about the company for uh, Romeo and Julieta. Yeah. Julieta. It's Half Moon Bay Shakes. Got it. Yeah. Awesome. I'll yeah. type that type, type that in. Yeah. And then uh, SF Playhouse is, they've got two more weekends, I think, this weekend and next weekend of La Caja Falls. Okay. Um, and, uh, uh, and that's a lot of fun as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, for, for those of you movie buffs, uh, the, the movie The Birdcage was based off of La Caja Falls. I don't know if, if this version, this... Um, uh, Harvey Firestein version mm -hmm. um, was 
uh, created before or after the Birdcage, um, but I know that it was uh, originally, of course, a French play. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So that's that's awesome. Well, it's it's getting yeah. really really dark, and I'm I'm going to yeah. walk you to the uh, the station. So thank you All so right. much for for uh, coming in. My pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. So here's my usual blurb. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the Yay on iTunes. Just click on iTunes, click on Store. You don't you won't have to buy anything. Use the search engine on the upper left hand and search for the Yay. You'll find us. For Android users, download the SoundCloud app and search for the Yay. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook. And we'll take it from there. How do you listen to the A? Do you? Uh, I use SoundCloud. Phone? Okay. Um, either the, the just on the web or on my phone, I've downloaded the app. Okay. But I find that I have to use my headphones on the app because otherwise the sounds a little distorted. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand how that. Happens. Yeah, and and people have talked to me about that. So um, if you listen to it on your phone, I have no idea why, but. Please use your headphones because that otherwise it does get distorted. It doesn't get distorted if you're listening to it from your laptop or desktop. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't get distorted if you have your headphones on. Who knows why? I don't know why. Yeah. It's very and every strange. and every time I uh, you know because when I tape it, not tape, but when I record it, mm-hmm. and then I make it into an MP3 file, I test it on my laptop, and yeah. usually on my phone, and it sounds okay. But um, you know it. You can't get everything right. Yeah. You know, we try to do as best as we can. But thank yeah. you so much, Mary, for Certainly. coming. Thank you. And uh, that's it. We are out.